the Bean's losing her mind. She always does. I... And it's... I mean, I get it. She's still a young kid. And, and she's she, got a lot of kitten left in her, that's for sure. Specifically, when we either A, are getting ready to go to bed, oh, constantly before we go to bed, or it's when we sit down to record. <sighs> Trust me, I'm well aware of that fact. <laughs> I am, I have been made more than well aware of that fact. She's a, she's a feline. Mm-hmm. She is a feline through and through, through and through and through. Now, this isn't the feline podcast. No. Though, I wouldn't be opposed. I, I mean, I, I love cats, but I don't have that much to say about cats. I mean, I have a lot to say about my cat. Yes, that's true. And it, I think that's, that's a fair thing. You've been on Loaf Watch this week? Oh, we've been on... <laughs> yeah, I have been I've been making some Snapchat videos of of loaf watch whenever she gets in a good loafed position. The sad thing is the moment that I start putting the camera in her face and recording her and talking in my presentery voice, um she no longer loafs, which is somewhat unfortunate. Um Since we're on the subject of not D&D, Should I, go with the, should I go with the thing that we discussed previously, or should I go with the thing that happened at work today? Why don't you start with work? I so, we had a lot of downtime at work, so we were going through rankings, ranking lists online. Two specifically. The top 25 sodas, and the top 15 candy bars. Okay. Both of these are a sham. A, a, downright, a downright embarrassment to opinion if you will. The soda list had the Mountain Dew at number 28 of 25. They had the Pepsi at 19. Interesting. They had the Cheer Wine at 12. Well, that's a good They one. had the Orange Fanta at 6. Orange Fanta? Really? They had the Orange Fanta at 6. Obviously, Coke was number 1. They had 7-Up and Sprite as 2 and 3. Mmm. No. That, no. Li- that list offended me. But the one that like got under my skin was the candy bar list. Now, Sam. Now, Connor. I, this is going to spawn the conversation, our classic food discussions that we oft have on the podcast. Yes. The, dungeon, the ostensibly Dungeons & Dragons podcast that we host, where we talk about food. The candy bar. Does it need to literally be in bar form? Would you consider, for example... The Reese cup of candy bar. Hmm. See, I consider it a candy bar, seeing it is simply a bar that is in the shape of a circle. Yes. The only defining difference between a Reese cup and a bar that is made in the same way of the Reese cup with the peanut butter in the middle and the chocolate on the outside is the shape. Yes. The Reese cup was not included on the top 25 candy bar list. Well, that, that definitely breaks... Top five, even, probably. That that breaks top fucking two. Snickers Reese's, I feel like, could go one, two, all the live long day. Oh, no. Kit Kat snuck up into the number two, which hmm. kind of offended me. The Mound and the Almond Joy were below 20. Good. Also good. offended. No. Ugh, coconut. Love, love a mound. Coconut is the second worst food ever created. <sighs> you. We know you have bad food takes. No, I have wonderful food takes. No. 
That's, that's and everything just, is wrong with the coconut. That's just simply untrue. So those conversations got me riled up at work today, ah. obviously, because my, my favorite soda, the Mountain Dew, and yes. my favorite candy bar, the Reese Cup, completely clowned upon. Disrespected. Disrespected. Good. On on the 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 stage that is the internet. I'm not fond of that. I'm not fond of that whatsoever. Mm. See, for me, the top, my favorite is uh, 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 Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper, I believe, was top 10. Okay. Uh, it might have been 11. I can see why people wouldn't like Dr. Pepper, though. It's got a lot going on. It's got a lot going on. Um, it's an aggressive, it's an aggressive I, sort of beverage. It was directly below a brand of ginger ale that wasn't Seagram's or Canada Dry, though. Both it, of those options did not make the list. See, I think Canada Dry is one of the best ginger it, ales. It, it's one of the most, it, it's the most inoffensive ginger ale. Hmm. You know? I think Verner's is a little, is, is on that offensive list. Yeah. No, no, I'm not a big fan. Also, notably not making any spot on the list, any form of diet soda. Good. Which I think diet sodas taste weird. I, it's the aspartame. It's the aspartame. But I love me some aspartame. I'm I'm I am addicted to that of the aspartame part of the diet coke specifically. Mm. And so the lack of any diet representation on this list I feel like is a bit of a shame. Um, sadly, I didn't have access to the original articles. They were simply being told to me. And uh, I wasn't able to find any of the author, authors and berate them on Twitter as I would like to do mm. for their terrible candy and soda takes. But so that got me riled up. The other thing that we wanted to talk about, because this came up recently on another podcast that I listened to and it has a, it has, it hits home a little personally because when I coach swimming, as many people know, one of the kids that I used to coach, she is aged up into another group. Her name is Reese. Mm, and yes. one of and one of the nicknames was Reesey. She's a little Reesey. Yeah, absolutely. Is it the 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 question here, the debate here, is it the Reese's pieces or the Reese's pieces? Mm, see, I'm from Ohio, and and as as an Ohioan, uh, we all know the true answer is that it is Reese's pieces. Well, that is you're fucking with me. I know you're fucking with me. We've had this discussion. That's wrong. That is yeah. objectively wrong. Nope. I actually do. It is. Yeah, I, yes. I know that the words themselves, Reese's, I've met people named Reese. And if, if something belonged to Reese, it would be Reese. And if you had a singular part of an object, it'd be a piece. But it is truly Reese's pieces. Are you, are you changing the, the pronunciation of both Reese's and pieces to attempt to rhyme? No. Just feels right. It's right in the mouth. Oh, wow. Just like a Reese's Pieces. The Reese's... I have... Sidebar. This is, this is going to derail this greatly. Early 2000s. Okay. I'm in Cleveland with some family. Okay. My sister and my brother were... Sorry to, to hear that. This. We went to a movie. We saw E.T. in the theaters. Ah, uh, yeah. I think it was after E.T. had already come out in theaters and they were doing like a rear... I don't remember. I don't know the time frame specifically. I was like four. Fair. I, I had eaten a lot that day. Okay. And the candy option that I got at the movie theater was the Reese's Pieces. The, the Reese's pieces, pieces of Reese's. Reese's the pieces. two words that already rhyme that you don't need to change the pronunciation of them to make them rhyme because they already rhyme. They were chosen because they rhyme. The Reese's Peanut Butter Cup and the pieces of the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup being created into its own candy. Reese's and Pieces rhyme. You don't need to change it to Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. So I ate the Reese's Pieces at the movie theater. Okay. 
I was already kind of sick to my tummy, but I was a kid. I got candy. I was yeah, going to eat it. Of course. I was going to eat all that candy. I started throwing up in the movie theater in E.T. into the popcorn bucket. The popcorn bucket was vacated for my vomiting. <laughs> the popcorn bucket was quickly vacated for, my, for the benefit of my vomiting. My sister said I refused to go to the bathroom because I was enraptured by E.T. In hindsight, E.T. is terrifying. E.T. is like a pseudo-horror film in many respects. Uh, kind of, yeah. It's disturbing. Yeah. So I don't know why. I think I think I was just embarrassed and didn't want to go to the bathroom to throw up of by course. myself. As a kid, of course. You're always embarrassed. Yeah. But here's the great thing about that story is uh, Reese's Pieces were created for the film E.T. They were The Reese's Pieces were created for E.T.? Yeah, so originally... The extraterrestrial? Uh, originally, they reached out to M&M's, and M&M's didn't want to be... Uh, wow. Yeah, they didn't want to work with the with the movie, and so... No shit. They went Maybe out to... Maybe that's why I was eating the Reese's Pieces in that moment, then. Possibly. I was, I was a very small child. This is this is not... This is a core memory, but not, like, a core core memory. Right. You, you have it. Wow. But you don't have all the details. But, yeah. Wow. Just last week, I believe, we were talking about E.T., yeah, um, Reese, uh, because uh, Harrison, Harrison Ford had Ford all the, the cast members the cast. on to play D&D yeah. to Bond. That's awesome. Look at that. Full circle. Full circle. Full circle. Now, welcome to the Dungeon Bros Podcast. I'm Connor. And I'm Sam. And we are not brothers. Nor are we in a dungeon. And I hope there aren't any dragons around. That would be particularly dangerous. Be terrifying. That would be honestly quite joyful before the incineration to our deaths. I mean, if they were friendly dragons, like, um, Dragon Tales dragons. If it was Dragon Tales dragons, I would remove myself from existence. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so disappointing to the point that I would want to just cease existence. They're more like dragon born almost. D&D but they weren't dragon though. Born. They weren't. They were. They, they were, were drag. Not. They were dragonborn in the same way that the live-action Ninja Turtles weren't people in costumes. This podcast is where we talk about the goings on in D and D and chat about D and D, and sometimes talk to other people who uh, do the same thing. Sometimes, um, just last week we released a bonus episode of the podcast where we were talking to Big Velvet, Big Daddy Velvet. His real name is Ralph. His, his real name's Ralph. He's on the TikTok. He's he's got a good following. He does good things. Yes. Um, in the editing of that of that podcast, I I must say. His voice compared to ours, he, oh, is a, he is a man. Yes, like we're like we're like we're adult males. We're, we're adult males. He is a man. Yeah, I, wa- I walked down the stairs at one point to where you were editing, and uh, you know I heard I heard him and his velvety deep voice velvety say tones. something, oh, and then I heard deep. one of us speak, and I was like, "Crap, do we sound like?" We is sound like sometimes I feel like we sound like prepubescent teenagers from time to time. Yes, I think that. I think that's that's where I, yeah that I, I I feel like I blocked it out because most of all but the two bonus interviews the first one we did with role playing degenerates uh, Cisco and Steven and the second one being with Big Daddy Velvet mm-hmm. other than those it's only been our voices in the podcast so I can like compartmentalize it to that so, there's that one time we had Darren on we had Darren on but Darren's also not he's, yeah he's he's not a manly man no. he's a man he's not a man <laughs> like we're men. But we're not men. Should we start singing the two and a half men theme song? Men, men, no. men. Okay. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm not getting copyright struck for that. It's our also, own rendition. Also. It's a parody. Also. It's not that good a show. 
It never was. No. It was iconic. It was Tiger it was blood. of the time. Tiger blood. Remember that? Hmm? Remember that? Tiger hmm. blood? Tiger blood? Yeah. No. <sighs> See what I would live with? Did you fall down the stairs? The cat does not have the brain cell today. Charlie Sheen. What about him? Charlie Sheen, when he had like his fucking drug-addled rants, and he was talking about how he's got tiger blood in him. No, I don't remember that. I was blanking on, on Charlie Sheen, so I had to look up the cast of Two and a Half Men to make sure <laughs> that I could remember who Charlie Sheen was. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we got some good news items Ooh, for we got day. some chonky ones today. We got some today. chonky ones, but first... Have you played any other games other than our Call of the Netherdeep session? Recently? Yeah. Today? Like, we didn't since play the today. last podcast. Since the last podcast, um, yes, I believe I did. Uh, went and played one of my the Star Wars Five E games I was playing in. I am playing in. Yeah. Are you, are you like a, a, a? You're like a, a paint a coat of paint over an Eldritch Knight, right? Uh, Paladin. 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 One of my characters. We each have two characters in this campaign because of a very. Um, very dramatic thing that happened to one of the player characters in the first like five sessions and that player and that character's player didn't want to leave him so like all right well you're definitely evil now and can't stay with our good group so now we have a game uh, a storyline for the evil players and a storyline for the good players that's fun anyway so my good player is an is a it's a a, a paladin with a new facade and my other character is an assassin ranger with a new facade a Assassin Star Wars or a Rogue Ranger, Rogue Ranger, Rogue Ranger okay. with a with a Star Wars facade. That's always a good time. That's yes. always a good time. We've been talking about this Call of the Netherdeep campaign for a while. And we finally got the first session in. Yes, and um, well, we didn't play Call of the Netherdeep. We did not. <laughs> as as diligent listeners of the podcast will know, uh, burp. We played the first. We're going to do like the first probably two or three sessions before Call of the Netherdeep starts mm-hmm. in the book. We were doing Dangerous Designs from the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. Uh, we did the first session up till... Technically, it was before we were supposed to level up, but due to time constraints, I was like, eh, let's just level up now, and then you'll be leveled up for one encounter. There we it's go. It's fine. Yeah. It's not that big a deal. Um, they are, for those of you that know Dangerous Designs, they are climbing the mountain to the hideout. It's a very good time. Um, had like a 20-minute, 15-minute sidebar of the, the lay of the land herbalist flirting with uh, our friend Salem's character, yep. Thilly. Um, Grayson is a cult member, or cult <laughs> leader. Cult leader, Attempt- yes. Attempting to become a cult leader. It's, uh, and uh, you're, a, you're, a, you're a goblin with a gun and a sentient mushroom. Yes, his name is Goom. Semi-sentient. Yeah, it's kind of like a dog that's i say he's slightly more intelligent than your common house pet yeah you know but it's it's uh it's very interesting because we have you running the game we we were supposed to have five people got knocked down to four for this past one um oh yeah by the way by the way by the way the fifth person i love them they're they're a joy don't wait till like the hour before to have someone else tell you that you're not going to be playing the game and then not do it ever. You're not just missing a session. You're just not doing it anymore. Yes. I, I, I would prefer if you're going to do that, don't do that. I think that that comes down to just um, yeah. a, a, a general life 
courtesy. Um, but yeah, especially when it comes to playing D&D. If you don't want to play, that's fine. That's We're fine. sad. We're sad you don't want to play. Very sad. Just let us know. Please do. Please do. And sooner the better. But, uh, it's, it, so it ended up being... Uh, your friend uh, and and brand new shiny player D and D first first ever time playing D&D. first ever time playing she and she did well she did well um, definitely was trying to grasp the mechanics a bit I don't think she cast a single attacking spell sorcerer nope. divine soul sorcerer um, but you know that uh, it's the cat the sword is over there okay all right sorry I threw it over there yeah. um, but that being said you have uh, myself. Darren and Salem, who are all very seasoned, very veterans. seasoned, all DMs, um, and, and uh, I think it balanced out. It right. balanced well. I think having three very seasoned people, uh, I, I think we didn't do too bad at um, at uh, you know D and Ding at D and Ding with a new person. There's a there's always that urge to just be us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, for but I sure. Think we all held Thank- it back. Thankfully. She's very much her. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it all worked out in the end. I always feel bad when a new player gets bowled over by a veteran just because the veteran knows what's going on and yeah. has an idea of how things work. Yeah. I was a little worried about that. But no, she was like getting it, like the first combat encounter. Like she wasn't slinging spells, but you, there was a there was a, a non-combat NPC that was there. And her first instinct was, I'm going to run over to the NPC. And I'm going to tell him to get in the house to, to be safe and make sure he's good. And then I'm going to buff the party and then I'm going to heal this person. And then I'm going to, I'm like, okay, yeah. Okay. You kind of get it. You're kind of getting it. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to move forward. I'm excited to get a fifth person in there called the nether deep is um, suggested for five players. Yeah. Um, so by the time we get to the first chapter of call of the nether deep, I hope to have a fifth, like a solid fifth and uh, yeah, exciting times, exciting times. Now the news. The news. We've got several large stories. Yes. Starting off with item one. Employees at Wizards of the Coast are staging a walkout due to comments that Hasbro has made in light of the recent overturning of Roe v. Wade by the United States Supreme Court. Hasbro sent out a, an internal memo detailing what they are saying about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, in this memo, written by Chief People Officer Najuma Atkinson and the Hasbro CEO Chris Cox. <laughs> Cox. 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 They wrote that the company has, quote, a long history of access to health care benefits, including reproductive health care and other critical media services, regardless of where you live in the United States. It also mentioned, quote, new enhanced travel benefits, but did not elaborate on them further. Cox and Atkinson also pointed workers towards the company's mental health care benefits, which also which includes the Headspace app, which is like a mental health therapy app. Um why Wizards of the Coast employees are upset is because the language of the memo avoids disavowing the Supreme Court decision and asks employees to respect both sides. Quote, we know there are many perspectives over what is at stake with the overturning of Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court announcement last week. Quote, it is important we continue to respect all employees' perspectives in the workplace. They continued... Let's continue to prioritize and nurture inclusion at Hasbro, regardless of your individual views. This is a time to demonstrate understanding, empathy, and kindness for each other. Um, 
in response, speaking to publication Polygon, which we are not particularly fond of, mm. uh, many under the condition of anonymity, many Wizards of the Coast employees said that the statements legitimized anti-abortion views that are dangerous to people, saying, quote, this call angered many employees, including myself, who feel that this is legitimizing those who speak to strip marginalized groups of their rights and pointedly ignoring the deadly consequences the Supreme Court decision will have on reproductive health. Another Wizards of the Coast employee said that while the letter was inoffensive, same workers are upset over some, sorry, some workers are upset over lackluster or inadequate healthcare options, quote, to depend on those things without actually providing new resources or better resources is really not enough for a lot of people, that employee said. Now, last Monday, Monday, June, so last Monday, June 27th, as of the recording of this, a Twitter account called Wizards for Justice identified itself as a group of Wizards of the Coast employees who, are po- who posted a statement denouncing Hasbro's internal memo and statement. Polygon and other publications have not been able to confirm the authenticity of the Twitter account or how many of the employees may be involved. At least 13 current Wizards of the Coast workers that Polygon spoke to from various parts of the company said they were not aware of a statement or potential walkout before uh, the Wizards of Justice tweets went up. Some of those workers said, however, they... Some of those workers said, however, that they supported the intent of the Wizards of the of the Wizards for Justice message. Some noted that Wizards of the Coast largely operates remotely, and workers were hesitant to communicate using Hasbro's Microsoft Teams accounts that they set up to discuss the Twitter account and its message. In the in uh, this, I know this is long. Bear with me. In the letter published to Twitter, the group said that some workers are, quote, frustrated, disappointed, and completely dissatisfied with Hasbro's response to the Supreme Court decision. Any messaging that suggests or implies that there are other valid opinions and approaches to this further marginalize, to this further marginalization of already at-risk groups on their bodily autonomy is unnecessary, invalid, and damaging. Such messaging only seeks to protect and validate those that seek to control and is the wrong direction for any organization with as diverse a customer base as ours. The Wizards of Justice account called on Wizards of the Coast employees to walk out of work on Wednesday, which would have been, which will be July, the day this podcast posts, I believe. Next Wednesday? I believe, I believe it's, I believe it's this coming Wednesday. It might've been last Wednesday, in which case the walkout didn't happen. It's one of those two. It's not clear by this article. To walk out on Wednesday to, quote, reflect, nurture mental health, and show solidarity that Hasbro will not. One Wizards of the Coast worker said that they and their team plan on logging off on Wednesday in support, but were unsure whether others would do the same. Neither Hasbro nor Wizards of the Coast has responded to Polygon's request for comment. Now, first things first. We're not going to tell you what to think. I'm sure we both have our opinions on this. I'm sure that they are not the same. I'm sure they're not that different. Hmm. I want to choose my words very carefully here. Yes. Because we are white men. (laughs) We are men. The one thing that I don't agree with is I don't think anybody is trying to assert dominance over any other group of people. At least not in the main. Um, there obviously there's going to be people that do that that want that and are using this as a means to an end to strip other rights or an attempt to strip other rights but at the end of the day Hasbro 
is a corporation. And corporations, as we are often known to say, are going to corporate. And it's unreasonable to to expect a faceless organization like Hasbro or any other corporation to take a hard stand on any of these hot button topics because that's not going to be good for business. They are in the business of making money. Mm-hmm. And to make money, you can't alienate half of the population. This is one of those issues that there's a lot of people that feel very strongly one way and a lot of people that feel very strongly the other way. And it is one of those and it's one of those things that it's not it's not as easy as, oh, 80% of people believe this and it's a clear supermajority of people that think one way or the other. This is like 50-50. It's like it's really 45-45. And like a little 10% buffer of like, eh, I could go either way. So to expect a company to put themselves out there, even in support of the mainstream opinion, whether or not you agree with it, that this is an infringement on women's rights. There are companies that are doing that. A lot of video game companies, Mm -hmm. uh, I believe EA, Bethesda, um, they're speaking out in support of people protesting this and feel free to protest all yes, you want. Absolutely. It's your, it's your right as an American. That's not afforded in other countries. You should take advantage of it. If you feel strongly, I think it is. And I, I, I think it is weird that people look to corporations to validate opinions and feelings they have about subjects. Feel free to walk out. Feel free to believe what you want to believe. But wizards of the coast is doing all of the right things. I feel like they're Hasbro. They they're not making a, a massive statement that you would like them to, but they're offering they're they're pointing to their already existing healthcare benefits. They're confirming that they're going to figure out some plan to add benefits to help people that might be seeking an abortion to go to a to travel to a state fully covered by the company if they want it. And then pointing them to their already offered health uh, mental health care system. To help them out. As with most things that we talk about on this show, maybe we should all just like calm down for a sec. I know it's very hot, it's very fresh, but like take a deep breath and think about things a bit. Because I don't think that Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast, I don't think this is a an evil or nefarious thing. Lackluster is how it was described. And if that's the way you believe, then yeah, it is a bit lackluster. But at the same time, they're giving you what you need. They may not be giving you what you want, but they're giving you what you need. You know, what do you think? They're the, we are very anti-reactionary and a lot of the, a lot of things that have come up, um, not just, not just this topic, but in the past few years, it's, it's going to be more effective for people to, Take a, take a second, look at what is going to be effective, um, and then enact. I mean, if, 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 if you want to relate this to, say, a very, like a personal relationship, if somebody, if your, if your partner does something that pisses you off, um, it's highly, it's very not good to just, you know, blow up at them. Blow it up on Twitter, make a big Facebook post, make a TikTok video talking about how horrible they are, etc. It's it's going to be effective if you figure out what the best way to uh, uh, to go about solving the problem is, as opposed to yes, as opposed to just being reactionary. Um, 
And and this is all saying, if they want to walk out, and that's something they believe in because they want the company that they work for, that they represent in many ways, yeah. and that represents them to be more coincide with their viewpoints. Yeah, and absolutely. If, and if that is a overwhelming majority of the employees, then it would be well within their right to do that. Yeah, absolutely. See, that's that's something that they've cons- they've they've taken some time. They're like, all right, we're going to do a walkout. We're going to show our protest again. Absolutely, uh, something that they yeah. can do, and hopefully, this shows. Hasbro or Wizards, um, I will say what that. their employees, which let's with something very important, your employees are should should be one of your top priorities at all times because if you don't have your employees, you can't work, you can't make your money. Um, so yes, hopefully the employees uh, can can communicate with their corporation, which in America, especially corporations, do have a lot of power. A lot. A lot of power. A lot of power in, in, there are some corporations, smaller corporate, like you can be a corporation as two employees. Yes. So corporations aren't evil in and of themselves. No. How some larger corporations choose to operate can be less than savory and unethical in some, in some instances. Now I want to clarify, Wizards of the Coast is the subsection Mm -hmm. of Hasbro that is having the big reaction to this. Um, Wizards of the Coast being, I think, or is it Hasbro entirely? I already closed the, I don't have it open. Uh, about 5,000 employees. Yes. Yeah, that's and if your walkout is a thousand employees, that is a large, significant number of people. And there's probably more that agree with them, but weren't willing to risk their job. But if it's like 50 employees, a hundred you might need to look at the rest of your staff and yourselves and be like, all right, well, let's all take a moment. And one thing that I, that I like from, from Hasbro's statement is the focus on empathy and kindness and understanding. I think there could be a lot more of that going around on everyone's part in every situation ever, (laughs) particularly in America. Everyone is very reactionary. Everyone is very heated about every discussion of any sort of political way you know or even non-political discussions or even non-political even in, even in the D community talking about railroading talking about dmpcs like it, metagaming it get, metagaming it gets nasty for no good reason mm-hmm. everyone just needs to like chill the fuck out do you have anything more to say i think i think we're uh we're good to move on okay we're not going to tell you what to think we're not going to really tell you what we think and we're not going to take a stand so we're going to do our own things with we are going to do our own personal things in our own time this this channel is about exploring D and and making entertainment yeah. um and i suspect that uh, this will not be the last time we hear of this sort of story from wizards of the coast employees which is fine Sam, two D&D related things. Yes. Uh, Roll20 has announced a partnership with the DMs Guild. Um, so the virtual tabletop Roll20 and One Bookshelf's DMs Guild have announced a partnership where DMs Guild creators can include custom Roll20 maps and modules with their adventures, allowing customers to instantly access maps and handouts on Roll20 when they buy the modules without any additional setup. DMs Guild was created in 2016 in partnership with Wizards of the Coast to allow creators to sell at D&D Adventures and supplements using official IP in exchange for 50% of the sales going to one bookshelf and Wizards. 
This partnership allows One Bookshelf to reach Roll20's over 8 million users and puts Roll20 on an even playing field with uh, other virtual tabletops such as Fantasy Ground, who previously allowed DMs Guild creators to sell Fantasy Ground compatible works on their site. One Bookshelf has confirmed that the profits split between creators and One Bookshelf will remain unchanged. Um, so this is pretty big. This is very big. Um, clearly, this seems like two... Because the DMs Guild, while having a partnership with Wizards of the Coast, is not Wizards of the Coast. No. They have a partnership in that you can use non-OGL content from the Dungeons & Dragons universe in homebrew content, specifically through the DMs Guild. Yes. Uh, the... The homebrew source that we use, Drive Through RPG, is uh, game system agnostic, mm-hmm. so it can be many RPG systems. But you have to ascribe to the D and D open gaming license when you're making homebrew for it. Yeah. So, example, we can't use Beholders or we can't use D and D in our homebrew. Yes, and it gets even more granular. Like you can't use. Um, Rary's telepathic bond. You have to use telepathic, telepathic bond. bond. You can't use. Um, fucking the Magnificent Mansion. Uh, Morden Canaan's. Morden Canaan's Magnificent Mansion. You can use the Magnificent Mansion instead. Man, we even had time to like chill and prep, and like we weren't rushing into this no. one. We we don't have an excuse. Um, clearly, I think Roll Twenty and DMs Guild are looking at the partnership between D and D Beyond and Wizards of the Coast yes. and thinking, ugh. Maybe we need to get together, and I wouldn't even be—I would not be all that surprised if, in the future, we saw a D and D plus D and D Beyond meets Roll Twenty DMs Guild mega integration between the four platforms, which would be very, very impressive. Imagine a fully feature-rich D and D Beyond integration into Roll Twenty plus. You have the openness because all of it is partnered with Wizards of the Coast, and you can get all of this extra supplementary content baked into all of these services at the same time. That'd be huge. That would be. These partnerships in and of themselves, D&D Beyond with Wizards of the Coast and now Roll20 with the DMs DMs Guild, are both huge in and of their own right. And using these two services in tandem without without a theoretical partnership between all four entities is already a very enticing opportunity for many people. Mm -hmm. This integration just is going to allow more people to use more of D&D easily and more readily because the DMs Guild is filled with um, all sorts of adventures and modules um, and to be able to, you know, have the port right over to Roll20, you know, any anything like that is just going to increase access and availability. For a little reference here, Roll20 has over 8 million users, as is. That's a lot. That's a lot. There's a lot of people playing D&D, <laughs> virtually, let alone in person. Mm-hmm. Like, this is awesome. I got, I got nothing more to say. All right, moving on. Um, D&D on, uh, D- Dungeons & Dragons Onslaught announces two new factions. Dungeons and Dragons Onslaught is a new tabletop skirmish game that places players in charge of rival groups battling both monsters and each other in dungeon settings. WizKids announced the plan to reveal uh, the faction pack for the Red Wizards and Mini Arrows. The Red Wizards provides players with spellcasters who can summon monsters into battle, while Mini Arrows is a band of orcs who can hinder an opponent's movement. They will join the already announced Harpers and 
Zentarium factions, and will be the first of many factions to be added to this game. This is the second competitive D&D release by WizKids, the first being D&D Wing Attack, released in 2014 that received 10 expansions of dragons and other winged creatures, including Tiamat, Tiamat and Bahamut. Onslaught is set to release in October of this year, and the two new factions will be the first release in February of 2023. We are very excited for D&D Onslaught. Yes, we, we don't have any wargaming or any skirmish games to yeah. our names. And you've looked into 40k, I believe, or Warhammer in general. A little bit, yes. I have not, because the systems are very intimidating to me. They are a lot, yes, absolutely. But, but having that D&D coat of paint, and there's going to be... It, it's clear that there's going to be some systems that are going to cross over from the TTRPG into the Skirmish game that are going to make it a bit easier for people to make that transition. And I feel like because of its release, we're going to see a notable spike in number of people that are playing war games and Skirmish games as opposed to tabletop, uh, tabletop RPGs in general. Mm. More factions is cool. <laughs> and it looks like there's only going to be continu- like they uh, I mean Wizards has already or in WizKids have already said that they're going to continually put out expansions um, to increase and keep up with uh, uh, game shop and tournament play. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to release in October and so October, November, December, January, so February, we're going to four months later. Yeah, so they're gonna ha- they're gonna have their release, their like season zero if you play live service video games, and then the next like season one with new factions available. I'm excited. Yeah, I don't I I'm I I'm worried that we're not really gonna be able to play it very much, unless we're just like, all right, we got two and a half hours tonight. Let's set up a wargaming board and play D and D onslaught together, just you and me. I might. I mean, I'm not against that. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll be yeah. We'll maybe we'll become. TTRPG streamers. I mean... And just stream Onslaught every th- once a week. I mean, I feel like we could very easily set up a TikTok live for that. Set up, like, a YouTube live for that. Yeah, we could. Yeah, we could. That'd be very easy. Much easier than regular TTRPG streaming. Right? Especially if it's just the two of us. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. I got nothing more to say. Uh-huh, let's, t- let's talk about... Uh, we should... Since we, we... So we tried to start this live about three minutes earlier than it started. Yeah. Um, and it got banned for uh banned you, words for uh, for a banned word even though we submitted the live event several days ago and with the same title and they were like totally fine so maybe just in case we should go ahead and change the word that we assume they're banning yeah we're talking about ted kaczynski ted kaczynski being a guy that boom boomed places a lot and is known serially as, and serially serially he Yuna boom boomed. He's the Yuna boom boom er, if you will. For those of you that are listening to the audio version of this podcast, this is the Unabomber. The Unabomber. I'm whispering into my mic to avoid the TikTok okay, censors. Okay. Get on with it. As Ted say, Kaczynski has a link to Dungeons and Dragons. There's a new Apple podcast called Project Unabomber. <laughs> It's the story of Ted Kaczynski, one of the most notorious serial exploders and terrorists in history. And he has a and there is an Apple original podcast called Project Uniboom with original reporting from Eric Benson takes you inside the story of Ted Kaczynski like you've never heard before. This article goes over 
how the FBI, in their attempt to search for Ted Kaczynski, Ted Kaczynski, before they knew it was Ted Kaczynski, I'm working really hard not to say the B word. It's it's it requires a lot. In the Chicago area, Ted Kaczynski's from Chicago, born and raised. <laughs> In the Chicago area, they had. Ted Kaczynski was suspect number 2,416. So there were 2,415 other suspects that were just people. One such group of people was a D&D group in Chicago, Illinois. They were a group of original suspects in the case. And they remained suspects pretty much up until he was arrested. Oh, boy. The FBI did a soft raid on TSR. The original creators of D&D. The original creators of D&D. To get information on D&D events happening in Chicago and who was playing there and what groups were there so they could target the specific individuals of this group. And over the course of several years, they were all interviewed, interrogated, accused individually, and it took a, what I would assume was a lovely D&D group, as most are. Probably normal guys. Probably, probably They're probably just normal people. And slowly the FBI turned them against each other to where they were questioning each other. They were scared. They weren't playing D&D anymore. And kind of fucked up their game and also their friendship and their lives in general in general 2,415 people probably a large portion of them were interrogated interviewed questioned harassed by the FBI back in the 70s 70s 80s 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 and 90s still well within the satanic panic era yes and this certainly didn't help and I wouldn't be surprised if some of that satanic panic prejudice was built in like oh clearly it's the guys playing fucking devil games yeah <laughs> you know it's just it's one of the it, it, it i haven't listened to the podcast it's interesting if it's a one-off like storytelling podcast i would recommend it um okay the fbi didn't do a soft raid they reached out to an employee of tsr in wisconsin they had fall uh, during the time of the investigation they were on they were falling into really really hard times and were losing out to competitors like Wizards of the Coast who ended up buying TSR in 1997 shortly after Ted Kaczynski was arrested the FBI report obtained by criminal justice reporter CJ Sierra, Sierra Mella heavily redacted so it's unclear what prompted them to chase Ted Kaczynski into the halls of TSR but the first report described the agency's internal source, a TSR employee, providing them with everything they knew about a specific tabletop gaming group, the group of individuals. And when the group learned, they, like, totally freaked. They became very paranoid, pointing fingers at each other. It, it, I'm, I'm just repeating myself. But it's the moment they found out they were even being looked into. They, they were even looking into how they could fund their the fund the gaming hobby in general with miniatures and I would assume terrain if, if 3D terrain was even really a thing then I don't know I wasn't alive in the 70s and 80s I was only I only remember a little bit of the 90s <laughs> that's fair 
Me too. From all the drugs. I was five. Five and... It's... This just... It's a fascinating story. And I'm... I might be into listening to that podcast. Especially if it's just a one-off or like a mini-series. I think uh, episode four is the one they're referring to in this series, um, for by this podcast series. And all of it's on Ted Kaczynski? Yes. That's cool. It's so, cool stuff. If, uh, if Connor listens to it, Maybe we'll give you an update. We'll let you know if it's worth a listen. Maybe. I'm probably not going to listen to it. Anyway. Wrap-up time. Wrap we got up six time. items in the wrap-up. We're going to just hit this quickly. Broadway. We've talked about the D&D inspired musical there will be dragons there's some first look pictures from choreography it's pretty clear first of all they have a table that's a d20 that's cool but it's clear there's some people sitting around a table actually playing D&D, and it looks like they're going to phase between the act of playing D&D as the players and then the characters acting out the D&D that was being played and kind of going back and forth uh the set pictures look cool a little bland. It's also kind of an off-Broadway thing. Looks very black box. Very black box. Very black box. I'm sure it's going to be great because it's clear that all the people involved are really, really into it. And uh, if you happen to be able to find one of their shows when it comes out eventually. Will be, there Will Be Dragons plays the following schedule Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays at 7 p.m. and Sundays at 3 p.m. Tickets begin at $47 and they are available now. Is this is this in I New believe. York? I assume it's in New York. The Players Theater. Yeah, the Players Theater. I believe it ran uh, June twenty second yeah. through July seventeenth. Yeah. Pretty cool. If you happen to be near the Players Theater on McDougal Street, check it out. Tell us how it is. Next, Dungeons and Dragons Online's latest expansion is now available. Dungeons and Dragons is one of the most popular franchises in the world. The tabletop game, blah, 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 blah. D&D Online is an older MMORPG, and Standing Stone, and Standing Stone Giants has released the game's latest expansion, Isle of Dread. You can purchase the expansion and receive a ton of new content for the game, including gear, monsters, and a new race. In the, expansions, player, in the expansion, players will learn about the cult of Vecna. Interesting. Hmm. Vecna's very popular right now. He is very popular. I might sidebar, pin this for later in the podcast. Bob the World Builder, a great YouTuber, has a has a whack job theory about Vecna and the reboot of D&D for D&D 5.5. Players will learn about the cult of Vecna as a, as a mysterious island appears nearby. Players must prepare themselves to explore and fight through the Isle of Dread as the new enemies and monsters await. Players can now push to level 32 as the game's level cap has increased for the first time since 2015. You can also... It also includes the new Trailblazer hero and the Tabaxi as a race. You can use their claws as a weapon. Interested fans can purchase the standard collector's or ultimate editions of Dungeons & Dragons Isle of Dread. The price ranges from $19.99 to $99.99 United States dollars. Mm. Each edition... Each edition, each edition has its own benefits and bonuses. For example, fans that purchase the Ultimate and Collector's Edition will be rewarded with a permanent Raptor Hireling Teal. Some other benefits include items, cosmetic, cosmetics, unlocks, goodies, etc., and so on. We do not play MMORPGs, but D&D Online, quite popular. Mm-hmm. It survived for a fair amount of time. Very well done. Very good. Isle, Isle, Isle of Dread. Cult of Vecna. Cult of Vecna. We, we'll, we'll talk about that in later. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Now, finally, 
but not finally for my stuff. <laughs> finally, for the things I am talking about Baldur's Gate three, the final early access update is going to be quote coming soon. Hopefully, hopefully like very soon. Basically, they're just doing one more uh, beta access. They've been, they've done this in a couple of waves already to play Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3, if you have not had a chance to look at it, is as close to video game D&D as we're probably ever going to get. Um, it is going to, quote, push the boundaries of the RPG genre and offer a rich narrative with unparalleled player freedom, high-stakes decisions, unique companion characters, and memorable combat. Larian Studios is their biggest production ever and it will be playable together with friends or as a single player adventure. Uh, it's using the Divinity 4.0 engine. It, they have a they have a whole YouTube video you can check out. Uh, it's going to be in Faerun. Very cool. Um, the full game is set to release sometime in 2023 on PC and Google Stadia. Samuel, you have three wrap-ups. Yes. Uh, next... Dungeons & Dragons releases first chapter of Journey Through the Radiant Citadels for free. Journey Through the Radiant Citadels is the upcoming adventure anthology. The first chapter was released for free on D&D Beyond to anybody who, had a, who has a D&D Beyond or Wizards.com account. The first chapter discusses how the titular city serves as a hub between several cultures and how the Concord Jewels help travelers journey from the Ethereal Plane, which is where the Citadel is, to the Material Plane. This is one of the biggest free releases from Wizards since the acquisition of D&D Beyond earlier this year. As a reminder, Journey Through the Radiant Citadels will be released on July 19th after a printing delay due to supply chain issues caused by COVID-19. Oh, COVID. Oh, COVID. Uh, you downloaded it. I downloaded I it. didn't realize it in time, and you didn't tell me. Well, maybe you should get good, Scrub. Uh, yes, I believe it is only available for free through June 28th. So even by the time of this recording... Too late. It's too late. Too bad, so sad. I don't know why they wouldn't just leave it available until the book releases, but whatever. Anyway. That's fine. That's next. cool. Check it out. Steamforged Games is growing their line of Dungeons & Dragons box sets with Epic Encounters local legends. Steamforged launched a Kickstarter with a new collection of D&D materials, including pre-written, uh, pre-written adventures that include highly detailed miniatures. Steamforged's local legends line will include encounters with owlbears, ghost pirates, vampires, wraiths, and other classic D&D monsters. Three new books with how-tos on how to build a tavern, filling it with distinct, distinctive NPCs, rumors, and adventure plot hooks. At this time, the Kickstarter has met its initial funding goal, but will continue to run through July 8th. Uh, of course, uh, Steamforged Games is one of the um, most quality producers of minis for D&D. Very good. Very, Very good. good miniatures. Um, Big, uh, if you have a resin 3D printer, you're probably going to love Steamforged. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as a note, they were the uh, they were the company that partnered with Critical Role to make the Vox Machina and Mighty Nine character minis. Yep. And then, of course, they late, uh, Critical Role later partnering with Wizards of the Coast for their line of uh, uh, the menagerie of some of the Wild Mounts monster. Yes. Menagerie, and the Bell's Hell and the Bell's House that'll soon to be coming. 
All right. Uh, and finally, Magic the Gathering delays its Warhammer 40k Commander decks. Originally set to come out this month, the four new decks will be released in early October. The delay will also affect Magic's Warhammer 40k, Warhammer Age of Sigmar, and Blood Bowl Secret Layer drops. Uh, although, Wizards was unable to provide a new release date. An updated time frame for the Secret Layers crossover will be announced in coming weeks. Now we hope to we we've been working with him to schedule it, but I'm ha- I, I will I will say we can freely announce that we're going to be talking with typical Gemini. Yes, from the TikTok, who is a big D he's he's a big D and D nerd, but he's also a big Magic the Gathering nerd. And Magic the Gathering is definitely our biggest blind spot for Wizards of the Coast. So um, half of Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, half of Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk to him about Magic the Gathering. We're going to talk to him about D and D. We're going to do our normal. BS, uh, TBD when that's going to come out. But I want to. I really want to nail down with him. Like, Magic the Gathering is releasing a lot, and I mean a lot of sets. A lot of sets, and each of these sets seem to be coming with a new mechanic. Um, we talked about recently the second crossover between D and D and Magic the Gathering, which not only took the old mechanic from of dungeon delving, and is also bringing in a new mechanic from Dungeons and Dragons in, and this set also include is going to include a new mechanic. From Warhammer. From Warhammer. It's they're they're getting very especially in the last year and a half, I would say. They're growing they're growing very much, mm-hmm. but it, with that growth is coming a lot of bloat that is making it difficult for new players to get into Magic the Gathering. And we'll get we'll get in all into Magic the Gathering because again, we we're talking to it from like the eagle eye view. Yes. Like we've dipped our toes into, but typical Gemini is like into it. Feel free to go follow him on the TikTok at typical Gemini and uh, tell him to tell him to hurry up and get on our podcast. I think it's on us now. He's tell giving us, tell he's us. He's giving us his schedule. And we're like, we're waiting on your schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my job is my job. If you uh, want more from us, tell you just need to write to John Connor's job and tell him and tell them that uh, they need to do better. They need to make the news happen on a better schedule. That would be great. That'd be great. Now, to unpin the pin that I put in earlier. Yes, unpin this for us. Uh, Bob the World Builder is a YouTuber, and he has a, he posted a video this week. Uh, he's already talked about how Stranger Things has helped, aided in the, has aided in the rise of Dungeons & Dragons in the last several years. Mm-hmm. Um, he was talking about Vecna and how... Vecna searches for Google... On Google Trends, searches for Vecna spiked higher than D&D and Dungeons and Dragons has ever been searched for on the internet in general. Vecna mm-hmm. outpaced it by a lot. And that spike in interest in Stranger Things season 4, I think is a, in large part why we've gotten for example, Vecna's dossier and the Vecna and the Vecna mini statue the vecna mini statue the vecna funko pop that came out about oh, yeah. two months before stranger things started or this last season started he then gets into some theory crafting if you go back to the transition from a D to D D third second edition uh it goes D D a D D 2e 3e 3.5 4 5 the transition from AD&D to second edition, there is an adventure called Die, Vecna, Die, where Vecna in his like planar prison, where he's doomed to fight against um, Kos for eternity, basically. 
the players attempt to go in and destroy him. And in the process, unknowingly release Vecna from that prison plane. And then they use Vecna being released at the end of that adventure as a an in-universe reason for them to reset the D&D multiverse for second edition. Mm. If And Bob the World Builder goes into details here. If you look at... Um, various D&D adventures that have been released, such as Frostwind Dale. There are obelisks in them that are described and don't really have a, a use in many of these adventures. They are described very similarly, but I believe it was Frostwind Dale or Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Are those the same thing? I think those are the same. One is like the titular. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, one yeah. is the... Yeah, 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 yeah. But... They go into a description of actually using that obelisk. The specifics of it are escaping my brain right now. But he is theorizing that Vecna is attempting to use these obelisks to shunt either himself back onto the material plane or shunt the material plane and its bordering planes to him. And he theorizes that toward the end of 5E as we know it, before the release of 5.5, which we know they are working on. Yes. Supposed to come out in 2024, I believe. That there might be an adventure or at least some mini adventure or lore bit describing how these obelisks are being used to do a soft reset of the D&D multiverse to get it ready for D&D 5.5. Whether or not that is true is to be determined. But it's pretty clear that Wizards of the Coast is been building some sort of background narrative to these adventures to whatever end that may be if even if it's just subtle references for fun and it's clear that they are pushing vecna mm-hmm. as a major player going forward that is, that is all i have to say about that i mean i think i think that would be very you know to uh, a lot of the times um when D has changed editions um whether it's you know 0.5s or whatever well, not usually point fives, but major addition changes has been because it's been passed between different companies. Um, so I think take if Wizards is doing this, and and sounds like they they very possibly could be um, doing a whole six month build up. Like obviously we'll know when it's like okay, five point five is some eventually will be like five point five core rule books will be dropped on this date. Yeah. Um, but I could totally see them doing like this huge buildup where they put the a year before the year before where it's like, oh, they put out a new adventure. Oh, and they put out a companion adventure. Oh, and now they're bringing in, you know, maybe doing a live event of some sort. Yeah. Oh, and now every every stream Here's that you a, know of Critical Role, Dimension yeah. 20 and whatever their official one is. I can't remember, you know, the one that B. David are doing is little one shots and mini series. Yeah. And it may be like, a, here's a pre-release beginner adventure using some base 5.5 changes that mm-hmm. we've made that lead into the big multiverses being shunted. Eventually, to- eventually doing a, like a huge like West Marches style game at like, remember Tomb of Annihilate or the uh, uh, Stream of Many Eyes? Yes. Doing yes, a similar yes. thing to that and, and uh, having... You know all of these, you know all of these different things that they've been bringing together. Just bring them together and do this huge, you know, week week long stream of D and I think that'd be cool. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I wouldn't be able to partake in consuming that content probably, but that'd be fucking cool. I mean, it'd be really cool is if um, we could get this channel like 
Well, and then that's not going to happen in the time frame we need it to happen in. I mean, you never know. Maybe maybe we put out something really cool tomorrow. Not it's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen tomorrow. We don't have anything to put out. No, we need except some TikToks. We should. But that's not going to be enough. We'll, we'll we'll work on that. We'll we'll spitball here. We'll work on now. Speaking of the TikTok, TikTok. I think it's time we do our rundown. At the end of the at the end of the podcast, we always like to take some questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and or and or ideas from the D and D community, the Dungeon Bros community. Mm-hmm. We need a name for the Dungeon Bros community. Yeah, we, we've been we've made reference to doing that. We have not really thought. I haven't thought about it. I've thought about it. Can't come up with anything good. Me neither. You can find us, of course, on the TikTok at Dungeon Bros. You can find us on the YouTube with the Dungeon Bros. Uh, we're working on more YouTube videos, as mm-hmm. I feel like we discuss every time we do this podcast. The podcast goes live there every week, in, or every other week, including the bonus podcasts. And the most recent video video is still the Spell Points video, which criminally underviewed. Criminally. I love, I think that video, I, I think that video is quite nice. Indeed. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Dungeon.Bros. At Dungeon.Bros. We got a lot of behind-the-scenes pictures. We've got pictures of our homebrew, which you can download most of them for free on DriveThruRPG. This month, the month of July, is going to be a new Vestige of Divergence, a magical artifact that you can give to players at a relatively low level, and then that artifact will grow with them. It is a Warhammer built around destruction and also rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Very nice. It's good. That one is my creation. It's done. I just need to put it on drive through RPG. I forgot to do that yesterday. So yeah. it'll be it'll be out before this podcast is posted. Very good. You can get all of you can get every month's homebrew for free. Pay what you want on drive RPG.com. You can also purchase our uh, four ninety nine blood magic supplement, which the few people we have talked to that have l- looked through it Enjoy very it. pleased. Yes, very pleased. We're very pleased. We're proud of that. We're We'd love for you to be proud of it too. And if you don't want to pay four ninety nine, if that's a little steep. We get it. Yeah. You can go to our Discord. You go to our Discord server. Link in the link. All of these links in the link tree, in the bio of all of our social medias. The Discord, the best way to ask your questions to get read on the podcast and returning podca- podcast questionnaire, DK Alexander. Love DK Alexander. We are big fans of DK Alexander in the Discord. Community. One of the main DMs. Yes, he, run, he runs. Uh, uh, he runs one, and I believe soon to be two games in the Dungeon Bros Discord server. Where over 120 of you already exist. There's 120 of you. Yet, when I post a YouTube video, it has 45 views. What's up with that? Chop, chop. Chop, chop. If you join the Discord server, you can go to the announcements tab, and there's also a link to get a discount on our uh, Blood Magic supplement. We just want people to have it. We do. We gave away a lot of free copies, too. Now, DK Alexander asks, and this is kind of, this, we could have asked this earlier had I thought of it. But you didn't. But I didn't. Shame on you. Have you ever done, thought of, or have advice for using 5e in other genres? Sci-fi, westerns, superheroes, mm. etc. And then he gives us a little sly face because I think he wants, that's what he's going to be doing. Mm. Some sort of I different see. non-fantasy genre for Dungeons & Dragons. You play Star Wars D&D. Yes. Um, originally when I started playing it, which was a couple years ago now, uh, it was very much just a pretty much a port of D&D over to a Star Wars setting. Um, but over the past couple of years, it's 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 uh, it's a homebrew thing, completely independent of any, any company. Um, 
this dude has just flown with it and uh, it has evolved highly from D&D uh, 5e and almost is more akin to 3.5 in the customizability of everything and it is very it is very player oriented as opposed to dungeon master oriented fair enough but um you know a lot of D&D as long as you're still trying to run a a an adventure that is supported by the system um being a a more high fantasy and not not fantasy as in the genre but fantasy as in the the style of uh thing the style of the aspects of the universe you can pretty easily paste over whatever you want you know reskin it how you want any magics can be reskinned as technologies if you want yeah. to do a sci-fi um you know if you want to go western perhaps you could even look into various variant rules in the dmg rules for um don't use encumbrance don't use variant encumbrance but there's rules for um, extended rests, mm-hmm. making a short rest eight hours and a long rest a week really changes. You can make it gritty realism, make it hard. That would be more appropriate for more like a real realistic Western setting, I would say, the gritty realism rules. If you wanted to go with a spaghetti Western, though, just keep it D&D and add it, give everybody a 10-gallon hat. Yeah. And there's other, there's madness and uh, like loyalty systems in there as well. Um, I would go to YouTube and look up Tulak the Barbarian. He does a lot of how to play this character in Dungeons and Dragons. And then he makes a character build on Captain America, Virgil from fucking Devil May Cry, mm. Sora from Kingdom Hearts, any, Harry Potter, anyone. Ultimately, again, he's, a lot he's of He's got it, like over 400 videos. And a lot all of videos. <laughs> I know. And all of these videos are taking this character analyzing it building it in D&D and then in that process he also explains like none of these very few of these characters are min maxi at all yeah a lot of them are less than efficient due to multi-classing but all of them have really really good ways to flavor D&D mechanics to make it feel like the character that's the big thing is flavoring yeah. um Yes, you could always your 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 melee attack can always be I just run up and hit him with my sword, but you could add many different levels of flavor. Yeah, like shoot, if you wanted to take a flame tongue anything and turn it into a lightsaber. Yeah, oh, look at the sunblade. Maybe tone down some of the details of it, but the sunblade is ostensibly, ostensibly, ostensibly a lightsaber. A lightsaber. That's the only question we have from the Discord, but. We record this podcast live on TikTok every other week. We don't have a specific day that we record. Because schedules are fucked. Because schedules are fucked. Samuel, could you look at the TikTok comments and see if we have anything interesting? Yes. All right. Um, uh, Fish fucker. (laughs) These fucking usernames, man. Fish fucker asks, what's your favorite cheese? Oh, gosh. Um, Do you have yours? Yeah, obviously. <sighs> Go with your gut. Okay, I got mine. Go ahead. All right, we're on three. One, two, three. I'm Parmesan. allergic. <laughs> Parmesan cheese. I'm allergic to cheese. And he's allergic to cheese. So, 
None. None. <laughs> well, you you weren't always allergic to cheese. No. No. Um, back before uh, I, I developed this um, debilitating oh, allergy. Actually, yeah. It, it, it's, it's bad. It's worse than a deathly peanut allergy, I would say, in some ways. I'm being I have facetious. to live through this. I'm being facetious, of course. Um, I, I used to be a big fan of the Pepper Jack. Oh, pepper Jack's a good one. I was wavering between the mozzarella. Oh, some fresh mozz. And the Parmesan. Now, do you like the, uh, are you a big fan of the, the like a, a shredded Parmesan? Yep. Or do you like the fucking sandpaper or the, yep. the sawdust? Yep. Just eat that stuff by the spoonful? Both. All right. I, lo- I, love, I love a flake when they fucking shave it and it's like an inch and a half wide and it's just like paper thin Parmesan. You just let that shit sit on your tongue. Yum. Right, next question uh, from Rachel. Our friend. Our friend. Our real what's, life friend. What's the coolest cat fact you know? Male cats' penises have barbs on them to well make it easier to re- dissuade to dissuade not having to, sex. Yeah, that's why whenever cats are having sex, the there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of like because it's painful. Yeah, because there's barbs. That was a good fact. That was a fact. All right, um, Aiken for a bacon. Uh, says, if Bark's root beer isn't near the top, it's a sham, referring to the soda yeah. discussion. Yeah. No, that is absolutely a sham. Uh, Bark's, Barg's and Mug root beer were both in the top 12, which is just a travesty. Not a big fan of root beer? No. Fair enough. It's it's a, it's a very unique flavor. Does, does, does the root beer deserve to be on the list? Obviously. It does not deserve to be in the top 10, period. Full stop. Next up, um, we have some very uh, diverse opinions on coconut here. Rachel oh. agrees with me. You know, you're both are allowed to be very wrong. And don't censor the people that agree with me. Uh, Cephas says, hey, hating on my coconut crying face times five. Dude, uh, the, mount, the mound and the almond joy are delightful. Well, here, aching for bacon says garbage candy bars mounds and almond joys have a negative four charisma modifier they don't need it they don't need high charisma they've got a plus 12 taste it's fine um, a zero texture the the shredded coconut i get the texture thing terrible but I, I, it's it's hey if you like the mound and the almond joy you're living life pretty well because those are the candy bars that are going to be ignored by most other people and they're wrong for doing that because well, I get I get more of them now. It's great for me, but you guys are missing. You them. benefit from being wrong. Um, let's see. So back to our our, our Reese's Pieces conversation. Uh, the, it, it's the Reese's is pieces of a Reese's peanut butter cup, and, and they rhyme already. So you don't need to change the words to make them rhyme. Yes. Um, aching for bacon. Very Aiken for bacon, man, is you know what Aiken for bacon. You definitely deserve a shout out for being so active in our com- uh, comments with Rachel. Thank you. Um, has unfortunately done a potato potato, <sighs> or we have done a potato potato, where he he just says it's owned by, or it's it just says the words Reese's rhymes with pieces, or it could be Reese's rhymes with pieces, and just it's, spelled them exactly. They're the same. exact same. <laughs> 
Um, Big Mad asks, have you had guys use Fantasy Grounds? No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> sorry. He's because uh, this dude has a, cu- a campaign in a few hours and can't figure out how to create an encounter. Good luck. Apologize. Good um, luck. Kobolds. Fan- yeah, use uh, use you know go theater of the mind until you fucking figure it out. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, that's the, that's often the thing with a lot of these uh, online tools is they do have a learning curve. a learning curve um not necessarily not in, they're not necessarily intuitive they're not necessarily not intuitive but you do have to spend some time with them yep um michaela makes magic just become number one mick. viewer mick and when it happened i love mick she's, there was a corgi a on, our, on my screen there's a corgi there was when it, it was. when it ha- when she became the number one viewer it, corgi a little little animated corgi came and ran across my screen oh i love mick she's wonderful go check out her page she's a cosplayer she also she also helped us create Iris in our blood magic supplement. The 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 crazy vampire that's lost their mind and uses blood magic to like torture their victims before eating them. Cool stuff. Cool Check her stuff. Out. Make makes magic. Um Apt Metaphor says I wish I could chill out when it comes to America. I'm saying angry about that. It's fine to be angry. You can be angry. You absolutely ha- you should yes. Thought, thoughts and feelings need to be separate from actions. And maybe thoughts and feelings need to be given time to ruminate and mature a little bit. Figure out the details of calm down before actions are taken. Because reactionary, rea- reactionary things often lead to negative consequences. Yep. It must, yeah, you and, must and, be... And often end up negatively affecting the, the cause for which you are trying to champion. Regardless of what that cause is. So chill out um i feel like pe- i feel like people commit to kindness empathy and communication at the beginning of a campaign but sometimes need dm support on what that actually looks like when we play yeah bring it around to dnd yeah i'm it's one of those things that constantly needs to be brought up at some tables mm-hmm. um taking a time out to be like hey let's all simmer down a little bit you, you guys can have your inter- check in, make sure like, oh, these two characters are heated against each other right now. Be like, hey, pause. Players, are you good? Yes. Because spilling over into real world things. Because character conflict is dramatic. It's good. We like that table. Player conflict is not good. Yeah. We want everybody. We would like a cohesive table. And that leads to, and yeah, aggressive role play is different than aggressive. Null play. Null play. Um, Savannah White. Well, actually, it's six Savannah White nine. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, or uh, anyway, what are y'all and what ages are your fave D and D classes? What age are y'all? Uh, so we are both twenty-seven. Yep. Um. So actually, this is an interesting uh, an interesting question because it actually kind of relates to something I've I've heard about I've heard about actors thinking about in the past when they come up with care when they play a character yeah it's because oftentimes you know characters aren't necessarily set in age when you're given them uh, given a role to play mm-hmm. and so you have to make a choice in your brain of like okay what age am i going to play that my age or, or something, something else. else and one exercise i guess that's done often is like okay just like let's go look at a character like batman when you imagine batman what age do you imagine 
mid thirties, mid thirties. That's actually my answer as well. And so it's like, okay, anytime I, if I were going to go play Batman as a character, I would automatically just play him in his mid thirties. So I would have to think outside my own box to be able to play him as something else. When it, so when it comes down to what age I play for characters, it's usually around my own age, to be honest. Yeah. Sometimes a little older, I, never usually younger. I usually go a little older. I don't like going younger. That feels weird. Um, my Hexblade Warlock, Conic, is... I don't think we've talked about ages, because I don't no. think we really know our ages either, because no, it's like because a thing. I play him. I play him as my age, yeah. basically. Uh, my wizard, Lucian, I started... He was a couple years older than me and then drank a potion or drank some wine. And now he's in his mid thirties. <laughs> he aged five years instantly. Um, did, did, it also, did she also add, they did whoever this person is. Savannah White. Did they ask for favorite classes? Fave. What your, uh, what age is your favorite D&D characters are? Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, my, my wizard Murdoch is also my age. My, um, my Jedi from my Star Wars campaign is actually a slightly older, um, old enough to be uh, a knight and have gone through the tri- the Jedi trials. Um, and then my, what do I play? Oh, my, uh, I, I will say my goblin is younger, but that's just how he, goblins age. Yeah. He, your goblin's probably or 19, 19s. Yeah. So he basically, his backstory is he joined the military and he's basically just out of boot camp yeah more or less um uh to bring it to bring it to other characters love me a chetney pockaby from chetney critical Chetney pockaby from campaign three of critical role who is a very very old gnome mm-hmm. uh also kind of the childlike wonder of uh fcg who is four if that <laughs> a robot a robot and then even you get into the weird thing with um, Fern, who on the scale of Faye is a child, but she's yep. also like 500. <laughs> so get weird with it. Just don't get creepy with it, if you know what I mean. Or if you're going to get creepy with it, do Ladna creepy, not like creepy. Yeah, that's actually uh, one of my issues when... Um it wasn't in my game. It was in a game I watched from an Adventures League um, when I worked at a, a bar that hosted Adventures League. And one of the guys who played in that um, very specifically chose like an eight-year-old human to be as his warlock character. Um, That's uncomfy a little bit. You know, yeah. You get, get Regardless of what reason he actually chose, I think that um, I would try... Uh, Personally, when if somebody came to my table and was like, I want to play an eight-year-old, I would dissuade them from that. Why? Because I think that... No, no, no not why. Would you, I would be like, why do you want to be eight? Yeah, why, why do you want to be eight is a big thing, but I think when it comes, regardless of their reasons, when it comes to me DMing, um, the, the situations I put my... Not, the situations that come up at a table, especially my our tables, are mature. They're not necessarily sexually mature, but they are for a mature... Relatively. Relatively mature, you know, uh, uh, consequences, theories, moralities come up and, and I'm, and, you know, I don't want to explore how a child might endure someone. Yes. (laughs) And what this, 
I think, what, what does it look like for a child to shoot a goblin in the fucking eye socket with a crossbow? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to explore that. I also don't want to explore what what group of what would that mean to be a group of adults adventuring with a child? Yeah, like that's weird. That's difficult. That's gonna make that's gonna be difficult for the players at your table to jive with. Yes. Now, now, are you all going to play? A one shot, a game where it's like we're little kids playing pretend, and then you go on these spectacular adventures, and then you use that as your reasoning for one shots and people jumping in and out and changing characters and all that kind of stuff. That would be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. But you wouldn't be playing an eight year old. You'd be playing an eight year old playing an adult hero. You know? Yeah. So, right. moving on. Uh, Eli dot Van Stam says what's your opinion on the ranger class underpowered too situational or doesn't need adjusting it's fine as is i've said the p the hot take incoming we will we will hot take incoming the ranger in the phb is fine should the hunter subclass just be the ranger default probably Mm. but the hunter ranger is a good ranger Beastmaster needed the change that it got in Tasha's. I, I, yeah. I think the ranger, at, ranger as is is fine. It, with Tasha's, the variant features, I think, might still need a little bit tweaking because of they, the ranger has way too many bonus actions. The ranger's lava. I think a lot, uh, a lot of concentration spells. Yeah, that well. I was going to say the spell list or the spells that are on the list make up. The ranger has some very unique and very cool spells. Yeah, unfortunately, you can either, you know, up until even high levels, you can only cast a few of those a day. And then at high levels, you can only cast them one at a time because of their, like you said, they're mostly concentration. Mostly concentration, a lot of bonus action spells. But if you're focused more on the spell casting as a supplement to shooting arrows, mm-hmm. picking up the hunter is, I would say, akin to the Battlemaster in some ways. With the addition of spells, being able to do like Conjure Volley and uh, Shatter, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. I think the Ranger is fine as is. Now, at level one, does it kind of suck? Yeah, it doesn't really get anything in level one. Most classes kind of suck at level one. But But if you look at other classes, like the fighter gets second wind. Second wind. Yeah, second. And a fighting style. The paladin gets lay on hands. And I believe a fighting style. Fighting style for Paladins, I believe, is level two. Yeah. The 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 monk gets martial arts. There's something at level one. Yeah. The ranger gets a very niche tracking ability. And a very niche favorite enemy. I like I like the changes that they made to the favorite enemy in Tasha's. I would say make favorite enemy like if you can if you study a type of creature then you get like a plus two to attack and damage against them, that creature type. I'd say even let them, you know, after change, like you change every, every long rest, you yeah. can change the creature type if you take the if you take the time to, if you spend at least an hour studying. Right. You know, which you know, if you're if you're looking at the simple. makeup of a party, most part most different party members, especially spellcasters, have to spend an hour. Exactly. So why not make it the ranger the same way? Yeah. yeah. So it, it, a big fan of Hunter Ranger. I think all the like a lot of the uh, ranger subclasses have very cool things. 
Um, Gloomstalker is really good. Um, the Hunter is really good. The, Any the of the Fae wa- the Fay Wanderer one, the Horizon Walker, fine. The Swarm uh, Keeper is really popular though. It's not. I my like Swarm Keeper. I like the Swarm Keeper. I think a lot of the issues is coming down to uh, the companions, the yeah. com- ones that have companions. And we kind of looked at this uh, when we talked about the last Unearthed Arcana, where the uh, the Druid got the Primordial Spirit. It's just like they don't scale well, and they don't feel like actually part of the yeah. part of the class. They just feel like here's a little buddy. Here's a little buddy. Now the the Beastmaster subclass Santasha's is a noted improvement. It is. It's so much better. It's more streamlined. It scales a little bit better. But after. Once you get into tier three and four of play, like that n- level nine plus, your companion's not doing shit. Yeah, you know. But I've I've told I've told this to Sam before that if I get the opportunity to play another character, it will likely be a ranger. Mm-hmm. It will likely be a hunter ranger, and this hunter ranger obviously will take the archery fighting style, but is going to try and take the feat where you get martial art the the battle master martial arts oh the that martial adept yeah that one we'll try and take that feat to get like some pseudo battle mastery stuff and i might multi-class into battle master uh, down the line but it would be mostly a hunter ranger the hunter low-key really good you know what sidebar well the hunter ranger can be really good the hunter ranger can also be really bad really if you look at it anyway it's all how you play it yeah now there, there is one thing that I'm surprised they gave to fighter and not ranger, and is is really bad. Uh, is the um, the magical archer or whatever that is? Oh, the arcane archer. Arcane archer. I know, right? Like you, you'd expect that to just be like it has some really cool effects of arrows, but you can't use the arrows that many times a day. Yeah, you have the it's very the, limited. The effects are kind of chonky and like don't do that much especially past like level five yeah they're very clunky to use um the fighter already had that good the fighter has a lot of good subclasses the the fighter didn't need the arcane archer because it had the battle master Mm -hmm. already the ranger needs an arcane archer style subclass because the gloom stalker is the assassin of the ranger yeah the horizon walker is the kind of mystical teleporty ranger. Yeah. The gloom stalker, or not the gloom, the, the, the swarm keeper, mm-hmm. just makes some bugs. Like, like, it needs that quintessential, like, the hunter is the hunter, but it needs that quintessential um, magical archer subclass. Yeah. Still. If, if we were to make a change to the ranger, I would add that subclass. We might make it ourselves. Who knows? Yeah, that's something we could put out. Hey, we got anything else? Nope. All right. Well, we're about an hour and a half in. It'll clock in at about an hour twenty, hour twenty-five. I bet. Darren's asking beer question mark beer. I'm busy. I'm. I'll go grab beer. Anyway, you know that's what I'm doing. TikTok. What are you doing? Indeed, indeed. So yeah, that's. Uh, I guess that's a podcast. That's all. That's all we got. Uh, we're going to Gen Con in a month. Yes, it's a month away. One month. Month away. Uh, the we're going to record an episode of the podcast live at Gen Con. I'm going to. We're going to try and vlog a bunch of it as well. Don't know when those videos will come out. Who the fuck knows? We'll, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, we don't get murdered in the meantime. Yeah, uh, we plan on going to uh, popular popular TikToker. Quincy Tavern has a panel about TikTok stuff, and we hope to see other TikTok creators there, as well as 
fans of D&D TikTok there, um, feel free to come up to us and say hi. We would, we would fucking love that. Real quick. Real quick. Harp, harp tick. Just, just commented. And I think it's good. I think it's something we need to consider. New here. What's your D&D elevator pitch? Now, I guess we could take this in many ways. But I think this is something we definitely need to we definitely need to uh, nail down. I don't I don't know I don't I don't know. Thirty seconds? I don't have thirty seconds to pitch D and D. That's something we gotta think on. Wow. Are we sell- if we're selling D and D as a game, or if we're selling coming to our table, or if we're selling our channel? That's, those are three very different elevator pitches. Selling D and D as a game. D and D is collaborative. It is creative. It is open ended and free and available to anybody that wants to do it. There is full of a community of people that are willing to shepherd in new players to help out with some of the more uh, difficult to grasp concepts of gameplay. But if you have a propensity for acting, if you have a propensity for fun and fantasy and magic, then you'll love D&D and play it. Because the more people that play it, it means the more shit we can get to play with. Yeah. (laughs) That was a lovely elevator pitch. Very good. Very good. I made it up immediately. Obviously. Well, um, well, uh, you can find us in the, on the TikTok at Dungeon Bros. You can find us on the YouTube at the Dungeon Bros. The Instagram Dungeon Bros. Uh, you can find us on Drive Through RPG. Got a free homebrew release every single month. This month is the Vestige of Divergence, the Ruin and Creation Warhammer. Going to be very nice. It comes with a fancy new healing cantrip. Oh, oh. A healing cantrip? They said not to do that. I said, fuck it. (laughs) I said, fuck it. We're making a healing cantrip. Don't worry. It's not going to break your game. You can join our Discord server. Mm -hmm. Open to everyone of all beliefs, of all gameplay experience. We want it to be more active. And part of it is on us. Yes, that's definitely partly on us. Part of it is on us. But I do feel like sometimes we try and do some shit. And it doesn't happen which is sad. And, of course, we are going to Gen Con at the beginning of August. We're going to be there all four days. We're very excited, waiting with bated breath. <gasps> bated breath. Um, yeah, wherever, wherever you are in the world, play D&D. Make friends. And, uh, oh, you can catch the podcast on podcast services around the globe. Apple, Google, Spotify, Plex. Uh, the Crickets. YouTube. The crickets will chirp it out, and on a, on a, on a night that it is, but they're not, but they're not going to chirp it out like our voices. They're going to chirp it out in like the the um the like the the dial up tone style where you have to decode it with a yes, computer. Yes. Um. It only happen on nights that are exactly eighty three degrees yeah. Fahrenheit and twenty seven percent humidity. You can contact our secretary, the Moon, and they'll send out. A series in the mail of floppy disks. Yes, that you can download uh, the podcast in five-minute chunks. And it should be noted these floppy disks are actually pancakes. Just they're just floppy, and they're disks. In the meantime, peace.